Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. I am delighted to bring you this incredible interview I conducted with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. If you haven't heard of Dr. Cousins, you must be living on a different planet <laughs> because he has been a pioneer in the field of health as well as uh, spirituality for decades. He has been one of my go-to teachers over the years when I want to learn about diabetes, about nutrition, about uh, you know preventing and reversing all kinds of chronic diseases, specifically through diet, but also through a deeper spiritual uh, approach, a deeper spiritual perspective. Dr. Gabriel Cousins is a holistic physician, a homeopath, a psychiatrist, a family therapist, an Ayurvedic practitioner, and a Chinese herbalist. In addition, he's a world-leading diabetes researcher. Uh, he did a documentary you can take a look at, which is um, called There is a for Diabetes. He's also written a number of best-selling books you can find online just search dr gabriel cousins uh, and he's also an ecological leader a spiritual master and founder and director of the tree of life foundation and tree of life center so without further ado i'm really excited to bring you this interview i did with dr gabriel cousins enjoy well it's always a pleasure to work with you you're always doing such good things in the world so i'm happy to participate Thank you so much. Um, I've actually had the fortunate opportunity to come to the Tree of Life Center uh, in Arizona and spend some time there, spend some time uh, doing Shaktipat and meditation and spending time with you over the years. It's been a true blessing. I've learned so much from you. And um, I mean, you carry so much wisdom and firsthand experience when it comes to leading and guiding and teaching people how to connect deeper to their spiritual essence, how to uh, eat in a way that allows the body to regenerate and to have vitality and longevity, to reverse, uh, allow itself to heal and prevent diseases uh, like diabetes and cancer. And so today's interview, I think, is gonna be a very special one. You bring many years of experience. And, um, and yeah, and I'd love to open up just a little bit about some of the, I know Tree of Life Center, you're, you're um, uh, not going to be taking, you know, personal patients anymore uh, very soon, but uh, you are new. teaching. New, taking new patients. I think new patients. So, yeah. but you are teaching online, you have amazing books, you have a lot of stuff we'll talk about in this interview, but when, when uh, you've had patients and people coming in with diseases like cancer, what were some of the things you saw? What were some of the maybe challenges? Uh, that you saw them dealing with, and then some of the solutions that, that you have found along the way. So let's start with the idea. I've been seeing and continue to see people for over 45 years, actually 46 years at this point. 
And so I've had an opportunity to see a variety of people and see a variety of healings. I'm not a cancer expert. I do a lot of work preventing cancer and had a actually very high success rate in treating it. And my main focus is once people have been through their cancer treatments and so forth, getting them on a lifestyle that prevents a recurrence. Because the big deal is recurrence. It's really, because uh, when you get a recurrence, it comes back very fast and very hard. And we really have very good, very good results with that. Preventing recurrence. Like it's a five-year recurrence that we're talking about. So how do I look at it? Well, I have a term that I'm, there's a kind of one I created called holistic liberation. Okay. So it actually really includes working with people spiritually and psychologically. As a psychiatrist, family therapist, dynamics, uh, there's a lot of papers written how depression can often lead to cancer. A lot of papers on that. I'm not going to quote all the papers, but that's so. Somebody comes to me, maybe they had chemotherapy, maybe they had surgery, but they haven't really done the work. They haven't cleared their cause of depression, for example. Okay, which again is pretty very common. It's very common. So I'm going to focus on that as a holistic approach. Then uh, I talk about an overall natural lifestyle. We know. There are some live food clinics in the world. I mean, the most famous is the Gerson Clinic, uh, back to the 1920s, um, Max Gerson. And there's Brian Clements doing his work in Florida, Hippocrates. Um, so these are tried in two ways. So one of the issues is getting people to love themselves enough to want to heal themselves. Chemotherapy, radiation is not exactly a, a loving thing unless you do the whole approach. So keeping that in mind, what's the approach? Well, if many, many people, as I said, are depressed. So if I'm not addressing the depression and doing, you know, teaching people to meditate and uh, doing a kind of psycho-spiritual work where they can able to start to love themselves again, and get to the source of the depression, the outcomes are not going to be so well. Because depression, the physiology, the key is depression is not a mental state only. It's a mental, emotional, but also it's a physiological state. And if we don't address that by relieving the, the, the psychic and mental, emotional levels, that takes you into a physiology that um, tends to want to uh, create recurrence, which is like really the big issue. So yeah, I, I can tell you in 45 years, I don't know, one or two people died of cancer, you know, in, in, in the big picture uh, in terms of recurrence or people trying to do, do, you know, natural healing. A lot of people do very well. I'll put it that way. And, um, and everybody's a little different because on top of everything else, 
you have body types and they respond differently to things. Like I had a person, nobody, she had a, a very uh, malignant lymphoma type thing. And uh, she happened to be what we call phlegmatic, in other words, a very kapha, a lot of watery in her system. And regular fasting didn't seem to touch it. And then we did a water fast. Now that's not, not something I usually do, but it fit her constitution. Cancer clears up, and uh, this is 20 years ago, right? She's cancer-free. 20 years, 25, you know, a long time. But it didn't work on juice fast. You see what I'm saying? Interesting. How was the, with the water fast with her, I'm curious, what, uh, I mean, water fasting like that can bring out a lot of those emotional traumas and bring up that stored energy, that stored emotional right. energy. Right. And that's the beauty. That during the fast? Well, yeah, the answer is yes. An on-site situation is we worked with it. I have a course called the Zero Point Course. It, it helps you understand that we have created our thought forms that we believe are in control of us, and we are able to break out of it by understanding we're in control of them. Now, that's a very short description. Um, and... Sure, things come up, things got cleared. I mean, it was a 40-day water fast. Mm, wow. Okay. wow. Now that appears to be extreme, but it was exactly what that person needed. Right. Because if we just work on theory, we don't quite get what's needed. And again, she is clear of cancer lymphoma for again at least 20 years. I think it's really more like 25 years. Let me think about that. 25 years what what gave you the was it just intuition was it your what what gave you that uh that kind of drive or that decision to say you know what let's let's try a water fast two levels uh i was actually convinced that this is what's needed um i saw that she was ready to go for it nothing else had particularly worked and so you have a person that's very willing to do whatever's needed. And in the setting, she was just here and I worked with her. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, uh, those are the two decisions. You have to have a person, it, it, it's not a prescription. It's like, this is the obvious thing to do. And are you game for it? Yeah. Are you willing to commit to what it yeah. takes for healing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she, was and that's how you make that decision i don't just say go do this and it's above somebody's head well and for for a lot of people too right if you're going to do a water fast you should be with somebody like you somebody to support you because for some people that could be quite dangerous right depending yes. on how toxic they are and you know yeah. all that stuff so so yeah not not encouraging everyone watch just to go and do a 40-day fast on your own yeah <laughs> And but the point is, she did well, and we were there to support it every day because she was, you know, yeah. we had that connection, and it cleared, done. Okay, so that's, um, you know, what people say would be more extreme, but the point is, that was the right thing for her constitution. Nothing else is really going to like touch it, even the juice fast. So, 
making decisions like that for people do require a total picture. Um, so we look at your mental state. We, we know that people who have connections uh, with other people are going to live longer. And men a little bit more than women, believe it or not. Men need more social connection, although women have more social connection. So those connections are very uh, important. And uh, in this case, eventually this, as part of that process, this woman actually did get married. So, mm -hmm. you know, but we're working, we create the social network. So that's just an example. Other examples are the biggest struggle for a lot of people is just doing what's the best diet. So we work on the emotions. So there isn't that negative, uh, negative emotion. There isn't that depression. And I'll use a variety of things. Um, nutritional. I never use antidepressants or anything like that because they actually have a certain downside that may be connected to depression. Uh, actually can cause depression and suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, the rate of <clears throat> that, depending on the research, is two to four times more depression and suicide on an antidepressant. That's so not really the, two the best to four times more. Say, can you say that statistic again? Two to four times more suicide or depression on antidepressants than people who are depressed but are not taking antidepressants. Correct. Wow, holy cow. If you look at the homicides and suicides out there, like all those shootings, almost everyone's on some kind of antidepressant of some sort. So it's, it's an upside down statistic that you just like, that doesn't make sense, but wow. it does happen. So um, we try to rebalance the neurotransmitters with nutrition, and neurotransmitter precursors to bring that up. And then look at the psycho-spiritual things to deal with the psycho-spiritual aspects that are gonna cause the depression. Okay, so th those are two levels. Then we look at the lifestyle. What's a lifestyle that makes you feel good? That, makes you, that helps you love yourself enough to heal yourself. So we clear the emotional, negativities and the, and the mental negativities and then how do we bring people into a supported lifestyle that that's really important so that's where we got to the live food uh initially uh somebody with cancer we're going to be 100 percent live food we really don't have a margin okay? i generally recommend 100 percent vegan and 80% uh, live food. And the research is pretty good about the whole cancer prevention of a live food vegan diet. Um, even to the point of, of, of men in their 40s, for example, uh, we know that they have uh, twice as much mortality and four times as much cancer. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. 
Com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal, but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay. So diet goes right to that. And then we're talking, you know, colorectal cancer, pancreas cancer, just a variety of cancers. Stomach cancer is a big one, too. So uh, the diet cuts through a lot of that and also stimulates your neurotransmitters to come into balance, which is a very interesting thing, which I've just discovered in the last maybe five years, looking at why, why is somebody doing better? Maybe they stopped taking the supplements. What, what, why are they doing well? They stayed on the live food diet. And then I, you know, check the neurotransmitters and it's like well they're, they're back in balance my goodness isn't that that's great so we, we the diet then as they say is a hundred percent live food until the cancer is gone okay then i like people to stay in it for a little bit longer than that uh, in that process too if they have diabetes diabetes is associated with a much greater rate of cancer because sugar feeds cancer. And to be more specific, cancer cells love uh, glucose 10 times more than they uh, than normal cells. And cancer cells love fructose 10 times more than they love glucose. So we got a 10 times, so, so basically cancer cells love fructose like a hundred times more than they love glucose. So uh, we're, we're really, it's very important. Sugar is a huge stimulant to cancer. And that means fruit sugar as well. So we, we, don't, we don't want hardly any fructose in the diet. And uh, so that's, again, an important little piece to the, that story. So if you go on a banana diet, you know, everybody's different, but by and large, it's not going to serve you because it's too much fructose. So, so you, you wrote, I know you wrote a book called There Is a Cure for Diabetes, right? And, yes. and there was also a documentary film, I remember about it yes. a number of years back. And basically tracking people coming in with diabetes, uh, changing primarily their diet, right, uh, to a live foods, plant-based, low glycemic diet, and then basically diabetes being reversed in just like a few weeks. Can you talk a little bit more about that, uh, really what happened, and then that relationship to the live foods diet in relationship to, to cancer as well? Because the low glycemic, the low sugar, uh, aspect of it is obviously very important, right? Um, so the study I did with 120 people showed that 61% uh, of the non-insulin dependent type 2 diabetics healed in three weeks, which is the blood sugar less than 100. Okay. Uh, so that was really good. 24% uh, of insulin-dependent people healed in three weeks. Again, no medications, no insulin, and a blood sugar less than 100. I'm totally off their insulin in three totally weeks. Totally off their insulin. Totally off. 
and it's type two diabetes. Yeah, and uh, type two is important. The truth is, on kind of a surprise to me, and I don't want to get us a little off center, but uh, is that twenty one percent of type one diabetics also healed off all insulin, which seemed impossible to me at the time until I had to observe it. Wow! And now it's in the three weeks also. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't, I did not have that expectation. Okay. I do expect people with type two diabetes within three weeks, a high percentage will heal. And basically we found that 86.4% were off all medications of the type two who were on insulin. So no oral medication. So that's pretty good results for three weeks. And it continues to get better after the three weeks. So three weeks is a very, very fast time to heal. When we're told by the American Diabetic Association, it isn't healable and it's a slow down hill path to death uh, of 10 to 19 years earlier. Now, the other thing that most people don't understand and realize in terms of cancer, that the percentages of cancer with diabetics are much, much higher. Okay, the particular areas where we're looking at cancer, um, the hot, hot spots are going to be cancer of the pancreas, cancer of the stomach, colorectal cancer, cancer of the endometrium, and cancer of the prostate. Okay, those are your big players where you're more likely to get cancer from diabetes because it isn't just like you're going low on sugar, but the fact that it's our body makes sugar. Okay, after a certain age, a certain enzyme, uh, three, six, well, it doesn't matter what the enzyme is, so I'm get to, you know, it actually makes sugar. And um, we have to reset that, and we also use a, a, a coffee bean extract that has chlorogenic acid that blocks the enzyme in the liver that makes sugar. So not only do we have to deal with lowering the sugar, but we have to stop the body's production of endogenous sugar. A little tricky, but to get the key is people with diabetes have a much, much higher rate of cancer, okay? Uh, I think it's stomach cancer, if your blood sugar is uh, 100 or above, it's like around 100, okay? There's 238% increase. That's just an example, I'm just pulling that off you know, uh, that kind of statistic. So the point I'm making is, wow, we're talking about a physiological state where you're actually producing sugar, where glucose and fructose are actually stimulating cancer production. And that's why diabetes, controlling, healing diabetes, not controlling it, minimum of a blood sugar less than 100. Optimum is 70 to 85 but less than 100 is considered non-diabetic. So we have to kind of go with that as a agreed uh, thing. So those are, are, are kind of a, a parameter why, wow, diabetes is as a much higher percentage going to cancer because our blood sugar is above 100. You see, in about 110, the beta cells of the, of the pancreas start to die off. So and that, now we have more problems. The beta cells of the pancreas 
make insulin. So if they're dying off, we have a bigger problem. So that's why uh, healing diabetes and treating cancer is very, very important. So what is, so what is that? So the diet is, is pretty much the same thing for both, right? What, or, or would you talk more about that? Slight, very, slight that, variation. That diet look, yeah, what would that look like for diabetes and then for cancer? Basically, start with the live food, 100% live food, 100% plant-based. That's where we go as our baseline. For diabetes, I, I don't like more than 25 to 35% carbohydrate. That's the key. 10 to 15% protein, 30, 40% plant fat. Okay. So that's our that's basically the diet for the diabetes. Depending on the person I'm dealing with for the cancer, that may be the diet close to that. So it's 25 to 35%. When I'm talking about carbohydrate, I'm talking about salads, right? Fruit, right? Definitely fruit, but I'm, not, I'm talking about vegetables. That is what we're, you know, nuts and seeds. Yeah. And sea vegetables. People not do grain. well with it. What? Not many, not many grains? Uh, no grains. No grains. Um, grains pretty much convert to sugar. Yeah. And, and the other thing is the gluten is a very big irritant to the nervous system. Brain, yeah. you know, the grain brain kind of type of approach. So no grains whatsoever. I want to, before, before you continue, I want to, for those who don't know what a live food diet is, um, can you just briefly explain that? Okay. A live food diet, and the way I'm talking about it, is plant-based only, or people call it vegan. No meat, fish, uh, chicken, or dairy, or eggs. Okay. People think eggs are all about protein, but the fact is with diabetes, one egg a week will increase your rate of diabetes by 76%. Two eggs per week will double your rate of diabetes. Wow. So eggs are a big deal here. It's, it's, that's a long story, and I don't want to get off track onto it. So... Those are things we don't have. Well, what do we have left, okay, for live food? Mostly grains you have to cook, okay? And then they also convert to sugar. So initially, I call it phase one. Now phase one, 1 1.5 and phase two. So at phase one, which is the diet for diabetes, the diet for cancer, we're doing nuts and seeds, sea vegetables, and sprouts, which is a big part of the diet, and pretty much all the vegetables you want, but not overdoing it in beets and carrots. They're a little bit more glycemic. And that's it. Then once you're healed from that, then you can add things like lentils and beans, things like that. So that's, that's basically the diet, and many we have many, many recipes. I mean, really, it's actually, it sounds a little contracted, but actually, when you get into it, it's it's unlimited amount of stuff. It's infinite, and you can make it very delicious. Yeah, I want you know yes. people to tuning in to know that, um, like I, my wife and I and our daughter, we were on a hundred percent you know raw living life food diet for for about a year, 
very strict, um, 100% organic as well. And, and, you know, the recipe books, you have great recipes in your books. Um, there are so many recipes out there with a dehydrator, dehydrator and a blender, right? You can make pizzas and you can make, you know, pastas and you can make whatever you want from nuts and seeds and vegetables and fruits and stuff that tastes really delicious but is incredibly healthy. It's, it's, you have to learn to cook in a new way <laughs> if you want to be creative, right? But it doesn't, the live food diet, for those who might be a little bit scared right now, is not, you can only eat a carrot and, a, you know, cabbage walking around every day. I mean, it's one way to do it, but it's not the way you have to do it. <laughs> but you can have a good time doing When I did the initial recipes uh, in, in 1986 um, for, for Rainbow Green Life Food Cuisine, uh, I mean, um, the rainbow diet, I wouldn't put a recipe in that took me more than 10 minutes to do. And I did that with Conscious Eating 1990. That was the first edition of the book. No recipes that took me more than 10 minutes. And, you know, I'm not a chef necessarily, but there's lots of good things. And it's really not that hard. It does really help to get some training. And at this point, there's a lot of people around who are training people on how to prepare their food. Someone starting um, down this path, what, which book of yours would you recommend with, with, the, with those recipes? The, the Rainbow Diet, would you suggest people start there? The two diets, because we're thinking cancer prevention. I would definitely use the diabetes uh, recipes. So the glycemic. So there is a cure for diabetes, addition two. Addition two, okay. Good. And the other one, conscious eating has a lot of good recipes, but the Rainbow Green Life Food Cuisine is another one. So they all have different sets of recipes in them. Obviously, some overlaps, but they probably in terms of the anti-cancer, we want to look towards the uh, there's diabetes. There's a little bit of cooked food in that because once you're cured, then you can go back to, you know, 100% vegan, but 80% live. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At healinglife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at healinglife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and i hope to see you over there now let's get back to the show 
right. that's what you know that's that's where we're at now we're not quite at 80 percent uh alive food i'm probably more around 50 percent um but significantly more than when i before i started the the life food diet years ago when we did the 100 percent, i was probably at 10 percent or 20 percent and now i'm closer to 50 or 60 percent and i'm in a little bit different case i'm training as an athlete right now i work out you know multiple hours a day you know running and swimming and weightlifting so carbohydrate higher carbohydrates and higher protein for me is you know is is uh, valuable versus and, and if i can get that from raw living foods too which i get a lot of it from that um uh, then it's even more beneficial right but someone dealing with a chronic disease it's you know you, you have to make big changes quickly. you have a bigger agenda and a bigger urgency yes. i just want to point out that uh i really went on full 100 percent my food in 1983 okay and when I was 60, I did 601 consecutive push-ups, okay, on the sixth day of a fast. And at 75, I'm close to 76 now, but at 75, without any training or anything, I, I did 300-plus push-ups. So is that something you could do with all your training? That's, that's awesome. And you're... And, um... And you are uh, how many years, 100% life food diet now? Yeah, uh, well, since 83. So it's about 30, 36 years, something like that. 36 years, wow. And that's incredible. I mean, unfortunately, in our society now, people in their 70s are having a hard time walking around, and yet you're flying all over the world, you're doing hundreds of push-ups, you're teaching you know, weeks at a time, you're, you know, totally mobile, active, like. I can sit in full Lotus for an extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. incredible. It's a true testament to to yeah. what you're doing, absolutely. And I even hit 100 pull-ups. Wow. Uh, consecutive? I'm broke. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't do that right now. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is you can do this in the life food thing. You yeah. Yeah. I've cut the pull-ups down to 70 right now at one time, uh, two times in an hour, um, because it's, it stressed my elbows a little bit. But, you know, you don't want to overdo it. Right. <laughs> 70 is a lot. That's Most a lot. people can't do 10 right now. So, <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's incredible, and it's, it's a testament to So the point is, on this kind of diet, uh, and for me, my physiology is a lower protein diet. Maybe my protein intake's 12%, 10 or 12%. And it works. Um, I will say something that's really important for people to understand because excess protein has been associated with increased cancer rates. Right. Okay. So what we also know is uh, again, I mentioned men in their middle age, or say 45 to 60, okay, uh, have four times more cancer. And But after that, around age 65, then we actually need a little bit more protein. So it's a moving kind of target, if you see what I'm saying. And actually, like with the pull-ups, I was just doing 25, okay, which is a lot for most people. And when I 
realized I needed a touch more protein, which is one tablespoon of spirulina. I mean, uh, blue-green algae, E3 Live. Then I went up to 50 and then like 100 within a few months. All I need is one tablespoon more protein. So the adjustment is very little, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. The optimum protein for longevity connected to what we call the mTOR pathway is between 35 and 70 grams a day. So people get longevity and anti-cancer if you stay in that range. 35 to 70 grams a day. Now, 35 to 70 grams, are, is that range that big dependent on your body weight then? No. No. I understand what you're asking. I'm talking about your metabolic constitution. So I'm a person who doesn't need much protein. I was probably doing 8%, okay? And then I upped it. Maybe I'm at 12% now, okay? So, but that puts me at the 35 to 70 range, more like 35. I don't count calories so much. I just made a, a shift, you, you know, just adding a tablespoon more. Um, so that's what I'm trying to say. That range is the anti-cancer range. How, how, does it, someone, how do you determine your, your metabolic, what do you call it, your metabolic constitution? Right, your constitution. So get that we're not cows. Got to start there, okay? What are cows do? They eat grass, okay? They don't have a big variation in their diet. Okay, now that being said, um, it is a genetic thing. On chromosome 19, it actually you know shows, uh, depending on the, the gene alignment, how much protein, how much fat, and how much carbohydrate. So it's a physiological thing. It's not a theoretical thing. Does that make sense? Chromosome 19. Now, how do you know how much you should eat? That's a pretty important question. So up on my website, drcousins.com, by universal request, I have an interview. People take fast oxidizer, slow oxidizer. Fast oxidizer person needs higher protein and fat, less carbohydrate. Slow oxidizer is a person that needs a little bit more carbohydrate and less protein and fat. If it's 15 and 15, you're kind of in the middle there. Okay, so if you're going 35 to 70, maybe you're at 60 grams of protein. You're in the middle. If you're 20 and 10 fast oxidizer, then you're going to be closer to 70 grams of protein a day. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, so that so that's so determining where you're at, whether you're slow or fast. That is something on your website that we can. Yes, it, it's it's the fast slow oxidizer chart. Now oh, it's a chart. Okay, great. Yeah, so you can ask the questions. There's 30 questions. Okay. Oh, is that the is that the health intake form or is it different? No, that's 33 pages. Okay, we'll find a. I'll <laughs> this find is one page. One page. <laughs> I'll find a link to it and we'll put it uh, we'll put it on under this yeah. video. So that suddenly makes your life better. Okay, because now you know, my person needs more protein or less protein. And I ask it both ways. Why? Well, because it's a double check on yourself. So you fill out the slow oxidizer plus fast oxidizer. One slow is 
less protein and less protein and fat, more carbo complex carbohydrate. Fast is more protein and fat, less com complex carbohydrate. And I am not talking about animal protein here, okay? Because that has all kinds of problems. And it's higher in lysine and methionine, which actually disrupt the mTOR pathway, the longevity pathway, and are, are associated with, uh, well, less longevity, but less overall health. So uh, I'm, I'm making the point. We need to kind of make it, I want to make it simple for people is what I'm saying. And that when you take the meat out, it's way better because of the percentages of, you know, 3.6 times more prostate cancer, four times more, you know, breast cancer, uh, two to three times more colon cancer, and it goes on and on, okay? But the point is, going vegan cuts through all of that. It just really is an important piece to decrease your chances of getting cancer and increases your five-year recovery. So what, so what is, can you talk a little bit more on what is that difference between plant protein versus animal protein for humans, you know, versus a carnivore, like a wolf who's going to eat, you know, or, or a cat, which is a true carnivore. Cat's right? a true carnivore, yeah. Right, which is one of the really only true carnivores, I think, is a cat species, right? So, yeah, so what is that difference between plant protein and, and animal protein for, for humans? I think the most important difference in terms, not in terms of diabetes now, but in terms of overall, is inflammation. The uh, uh, animal protein has a thing called uh, 5GCM, something like that. And it's, an al it's a sugar, actually, uh, that the body gets allergic to it's an animal protein and then you get inflammation so inflammation is probably the number one thing second thing and then i assume that you and your wife were uh, on to live foods before you had a baby uh okay so what we know is that uh people doing just vegan okay just vegan vegetarian vegan have about one to two percent the amount of pesticides and herbicides in their breast milk. Okay, so a meat-eating mother is going to have literally ninety-eight percent more pesticides and herbicides, which we know are carcinogens. So you used the word organic before. I consider that absolutely critical mm -hmm. in the picture. And but even if you aren't the pesticides and herbicides accumulate in the animal fat a lot more than in plant fat because you're higher in the food chain. So you have significantly less pesticides and herbicides, significantly less inflammation. I would say in the big picture, those are the two big things. We do know that people eat meat are 25 to 35% more likely to get type two diabetes. Now, I use that because I don't have all the statistics on, on that for cancer, but we know diabetes increases the rate of cancer because it's sugar and so forth. And the meat protein breaks down into carbohydrate. 
So there are some subtle, but not so subtle differences here. What it doesn't hold for plant protein. So Harvard did a study with like 123,000 people. And they found that people who had hot dogs and junk food meat had a 20% increase in heart disease. If you're just doing, they didn't use the word organic, but you know, better quality meat, meat, fish, chicken, then it was a 13% increase, which is huge. 20% is one out of five. So you definitely decrease your rate of, of cancer by eating lower on the food chain for a variety of reasons. But the simple thing is think inflammation and think the, uh, I think it's 5-NEUG, uh, something like that. That is a special sugar in meat that our body is allergic to. So, and then excess protein in general tends to stimulate cancer as well. So those are kind of the, the, the bigger differences. So the so the others the the other side of I guess the the plants in general is that you know most plants uh, actually have anti-inflammatory properties to them. Right? Yes, you're getting protein that is not inflammation causing, and you're getting anti-inflammatory yes constituents as well. So yeah, that's that's really fascinating. Um, what about, so the big thing is going vegan. You're going to lower your your inflammation. And live food vegan, right? We want to emphasize that because someone could, could go to the store and buy ice cream and chips and garbage and call themselves vegan and still be vegan or vegetarian, right? Right. And still totally be unhealthy, right? So no, we're talking about healthy. <laughs> and that's why uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, uh -huh. uh, in my book, Conscious Parenting, I cite him because he's saying raise your kids vegan. Obviously, we're talking healthy vegan. And one of his main reasons is it's a lifestyle that prevents cancer. Mm, yeah. Cancer and diabetes and so forth, but definitely a lifestyle that prevents cancer. Now that's pretty significant. That's how I would say it. No, that's the world's, he's not alive anymore, but you know, in the 1990s, the, the top pediatrician in the world saying, yeah, vegan diet, and it sets the tone for kids for the rest of their lives to eat a cancer-preventing diet, which is a much, obviously, protein, meat protein stimulates, meat, fish, and chicken stimulates cancer and uh, stimulates diabetes and so forth. So you're, you're minimizing your chronic disease tendency. So what that's like Benjamin Spock. I mean, most people don't know that. I was shocked when I found it. It's like, what? Yeah, I mean, that's so, so important. I mean, I have two children, and obviously I want them to grow up healthy and be healthy and prevent getting cancer. So that's the real concept. Yeah, that's why we, you know, we do, you know, 90 plus percent organic. We do 100 percent plant-based. We do um, at least 50% plus, you know, raw live food. So, uh, yeah. About the, the, the live food, we have, you know, the plant-based is one and organic is another. And the concept of lower on the food chain, minimizing pesticides and herbicides, no matter, and also radiation. Mm. Radiation and pesticides and herbicides are about 30 times higher 
in a, a, a animal food based diet. So what about this? Um, have you heard of kind of the I might call it a fad. I don't know um, the blood type diet and where they draw your blood and then tell you like you need a meat diet because of your blood type. Do you know much about that? <laughs> well, it's not. It is a fad, and it is really misinformation. Um, it's been seriously debunked by every holistic physician I know. Uh, why? Well. First, they're saying type O's need to eat meat. That's one of their premises, okay? They need to have more stomach acid, they need to eat meat. Well, besides the fact that I'm a type O, uh, I don't need to eat meat. But when I ask, you know, people who are in the vegan movement, how many type O's? 50%, okay? So it, it, it doesn't, the type O does not need to eat meat. Second, uh, a very well-known um, orthomolecular medical doctor uh, uh, actually did a study of type O's, type B's, ABs, and so forth, checking their stomach acid. And it's really the same for everybody. Okay. So type O's don't have more acid and they don't need to eat meat. That's just plain bogus. Mm. Now, what else is bogus? Well, the original idea, and I have it in my book, Conscious Eating, is that it is true that certain blood types having a certain response to certain foods, that we call them lectins. Not elections, but lectins, okay? And if you're type O, you can't you shouldn't have more than five percent sunflower seeds in your diet or at one meal i mean because it will create an antibody antigen inflammation reaction if you type b then you're looking at sesame seeds as being a thing the point i'm making is there's a little bit of truth but they missed the whole thing mm. they i think they made some things up because None of it fits with the world literature. So in my book, Consciousness, I actually list what the world literature says about lectins. Okay? And as I said, the meat isn't really an issue. Also, if you're type O, yes, you shouldn't eat boa constrictors. Well, that's not my problem. Most people in the United States are not going to be eating boa constrictors. <laughs> but the point I'm making is type O's may have a tendency to create an antibody antigen reaction with bow constrictor meat. Hmm. Okay. So they have a tendency to create an antibody antiaction with sunflower seeds. Okay. Now, now you're getting the idea. So there's a little truth to it, but not what they're talking about. Okay. The research is really fairly good. And people who were like, where they copied some of their information from, but distorted it, you know, uh, are very unhappy that that happened. I don't want to mention names and do that, but the point I'm making is uh, eating according to your blood type has some validity, but not much. Mm. Uh, and it's more about getting an allergy reaction. Type O's are going to live longer, you know, whatever they're doing, they're going to live longer. And then 
uh, and then Bs, and then As and Abs. The, the, the lifespan generally is longer. So you hear these stories about somebody you drank and eat meat and has their whiskey every day. They're probably a typo. And, okay. maybe, and maybe they're, uh, I mean, something you said early on in, in our conversation was just the importance of having, you know, really deep, meaningful relationships. I mean, we know that by itself is so powerful in longevity of human beings, right? And sometimes, yes. sometimes those people who do eat and drink and, you know, basically have the worst diet in the world, they may have one or two of the best relationships you could ever ask for, and that supports their longevity. But if and they, here's, here's the point to it. You want what I call a holistic yes. liberation. You can't say, well, I have a good relationship, therefore I don't have to eat well. Right. <laughs> that, that's kind of avoiding it. But I think the key is, eat right for your blood type. There, there is another book out. Um, you know, there's the blood type diet, but there's another book called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. And they actually are much more serious about it and they kind of talk the way I talk about it. I also want to point out that people of the same blood type tend to have a pheromone reaction. So uh, it's a much higher percentage of people of O's who will marry O's. And mm -hmm. AB is maybe 4% of the population, but there's a very high percentage of ABs who marry ABs. So there's some pheromone, there's some chemistry. So we're not denying there isn't some, something going on, mm -hmm. but what they're talking about really isn't true. You do not need to be a meat eater with any of these diets. It's really bogus, you know, um, but all the different blood types have slightly different things. It's like, for example, type O's don't do well with soy, as do type B's. Soy is not so good, okay? Uh, A's can do a little bit better. You see where I'm going with that? Right. None of the blood types do well with eggs. That's the most reactive. So there's some truth, and they kind of turn it into not a very good scientific kind of statement about it. So I'm, I'm kind of saying two things here. Yeah, got it. Beautiful, yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I've had some questions about it myself and I've had you know, very well-respected health educators, uh, you know, huge followings, people I trust and, and respect as well, then talk about how they were told they have to eat meat, so that's why they eat meat, and it was just like, wait a minute, all the research I've seen does not show that at all. So yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. I want to kind of, Wait, wait, I'm just going to say one more thing about me, yeah. longevity, because that's what we're talking about here. Vegan males, you know, plant-based uh, diet by males, they live 7.2 years longer, which is huge, and vegan females live 4.4 years longer. Mm -hmm. so Longevity-wise, we know it doesn't matter what else you're doing, just doing that, you're going to add years to your life. And that's wow. a significant amount wow. of time. So those are just things. But the whole idea is we don't want to eat an inflammatory diet. Inflammation is the driving force behind all chronic disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. Inflammation is your problem. We have to eat in a way that minimizes it, eating lower on the food chain, plant-based diet, 
will significantly minimize the inflammation. That that's like a really key bigger picture understanding. Yeah, that's huge. That's important. So shifting a little bit here, um, I know you've. Uh, I mean, you're you're a spiritual teacher. You teach meditation and Shaktipat. You have been teaching for many years. I know you're also uh, do a lot of work with uh, Native Americans, and um, you do a lot of work in Israel and. Um, I know a big focus of yours now as well as shifting deeper and deeper into the spiritual teachings and uh, how does spirituality play a role in healing diseases in the body? It play, spirituality plays a huge role because, simple statement, you need to love yourself enough to want to heal yourself. Okay. Well, how do you go about loving yourself? Well, it, the way you begin to love yourself is when you're meditating, you touch into the higher levels of the mind, uh, what we call anonymous kosher, which is the bliss body. And you begin to have really positive associations with your inner self. And then you understand that's the self of all. Okay. So, you start to reconnect with your soul. If we look at our society today, which is you know something to be concerned about, a lot of people feel really disconnected from their souls and do whatever they do. And what we do with meditation, that's why I'm now moving towards uh, what I call meditation liberation retreats, which we're, we just had our, our very first one, very exciting, went really well. It's very easy to do. We're meditating three times a day, an hour, three times a day, and getting Shaktipat. I'll explain what Shaktipat is. Shaktipat is the awakening of the Kundalini energy. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Hebrew, we say the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. Different terms, same thing. It's something that exists in all traditions with different names. That's the key. I use the Kundalini because most people know that term. That is the energetics of the divine that are stored within us and through meditation and Shaktipat, which I'll explain, when it gets activated, it begins through going through the whole body, realigning the chakras and the layers of the mind. There's six layers of the mind, okay, which is not layers of the body, different thing, but it realigns the layers of the body, layers of the mind, the chakras and what we call the 72,000 nadis, to which there's three main nadis, Eden Pangala, which the, and then the Kundalini moves to the Shushimna. When all this is happening, it is on a simple level very, very healing. Burns up a lot of negative thought forms, but on the main point is you reconnect with your soul and it deepens your connection with your soul. And that's where the term love yourself enough to want to heal yourself. Because when you're connected to your soul, you're highly motivated to do the best for yourself. And then something else happens. There's the oversoul. So you have your soul, which, which is your connection with the divine. But then you realize we're all connected. In yoga, we call it viragya, seeing the light of God in everyone equally. Okay? And also you're able to distinguish what we call Viveka, the difference between the temporal reality of this world 
and the cosmic reality. And that gives you the bigger perspective. That's really important for cancer people, okay, bringing it back to the main topic here, because if you don't really have that bigger perspective, you end up in fear, you end up all these kind of physiology that, and depression, because you haven't touched into the truth of who you are, which is the ecstasy of the divine. It's like, wow, the ecstasy of the divine, you start to feel that and everything changes. So ultimately, no matter what happens, you are in ecstasy. You're in the subtle bliss, what we call Ananda. And that is a huge motivator to want to love yourself enough to heal yourself. So we go back to the foundation. So from a healing point of view, that's good. My focus really around the world, and I've been in 42 countries around the world, People come to the tree from over 128 different countries. Uh, that's a unifying factor for everybody, is that when you start to love yourself enough to want to heal yourself, it's like, whoa, your whole perspective changes, not only for yourself, but for everyone around you. So we have a, this whole kind of healing and loving enhancement because you see the soul of the divine in everybody, not just yourself. You're not separate. And what we see in our society is people aren't seeing their own soul and they aren't seeing the soul in others. So we act in very disrespectful ways, which is part of what we're seeing in, in our society. Is that we ought to bring the soul back into the, into the thing. Mm -hmm. I make a joke, soul food. Uh, and this is really soul food, is what we're talking about. And this eating and soul food is also meditating. Shakti pot which really enhances, it's about 90, well, maybe 95% of the people who were at our last meditation uh, intensive, which was like two weeks ago, had the Kundalini awakened. Once that's awakened, it empowers you for the desire for the divine, empowers you to want to heal yourself and deeply connect yourself. That's powerful. So my focus is more that way. I, uh, Shaktipat is an energy, transmission of energy. And we have it in the Hebrew tradition, uh, which we call Haniha or Smekabashefa. And in the Shaktipat is the term in the uh, yogic tradition where the master is, you know, empowers you to actually be a transmitter for that lineage. So Muktananda was, uh, my main guru in the yoga tradition, literally empowered me to do it. He actually gave me his cushion that he was sitting on. Now, I'm not the only one, okay? I don't want to, I'm not claiming anything because I have to do what I have to do, which is wake up Israel, wake up stuff around the world. Uh, but my pointing is you need that blessing, the explicit Shaktipat empowerment before you can do it. And uh, that's different than getting Shakyapad and the energies there. So that's what I'm focusing on now. We're gonna, our next retreat is at the end of August. I've limited it to three days, but we're meditating three times a day. And people are getting live food, which just enhances it. And then we have a lot of, of spiritual discussion. Because people kind of need it. It's like, what's going on, okay? 
So we combine kind of all those levels so people can kind of uh, make the supporting lifestyle shifts. Anyone who uh, really has cancer or is post-cancer or even worried about it, when they come, you know, that's going to open them up for a lot of healing and a lot of positivity because, again, you got to love yourself. So actually, meditation is a very powerful way to, to actually reverse depression as well as giving longevity because it enhances all your neurotransmitters, which, and I'm saying the well-being neurotransmitters as well. So all that's going on, and that's where I'm focusing, which I, that's what I like to do. I love seeing clients too, but I can't do everything. So that's why I am stopped seeing new clients as of April 19th. 2019. So that's an easy one. But I continue to see clients and really focus on the teaching and of the meditation Shakti Pot to awaken as many people as possible. Beautiful. Yeah, where is the where is the retreat happening? Uh, at the Tree of Life here in, in Patagonia, Arizona. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing certain things. So we've uh, you know uh, shut down certain areas, but we're actually expanding. So we're at the oasis, we're expanding the oasis. So we have a hall that can hold 70 people. I don't like it too big. Mm -hmm. 70 is a lot, you know, for what I'm doing. Because it's very personal. And there has to be time and space for people to ask questions. You go to a few hundred. Brazil, I may have 400 people, that kind of thing. But I try to hold it here in a way, you know. And we're putting in a little bit of a, a, a juice bar and, and snack because we serve the live food, you know, for, uh, for meals so people won't have to go out. So all that is happening in Patagonia, Arizona. That's at the end of August. It's just three, day, three days a week in there. But we'll be doing that more and more as it expands. It's simple and it's totally to the point of things. Beautiful. Well, listen, I, I know we're at the, the end of our time. Everybody tuning in, I, I hope you uh, took notes and got a lot of really great insights from this interview. Um, I just always uh, appreciate uh, connecting with you, Dr. Cousins, learning from you. I, I learned new things uh, in our conversation today. Um, I want to encourage people tuning in. Um, you know, all the books that, that were mentioned, those are all available on Amazon. There's a conscious eating, spiritual nutrition. There is a for diabetes, a conscious parenting, um, a lot of really great books, uh, that I highly suggest let's start with one and go from there. <laughs> I actually are, I'm just sending in today to, uh, a book called, um, Into the Nothing. Ah. Uh -huh. All I ever learned in life was from meditation and playing football. Because mm. we got to include the guys in this a little bit. <laughs> Usually it's two women, two thirds women, one third men. Yeah. But the football, as a football player, you know, there had, I want to open the space for guys to get more into it. So all I ever learned uh, in life and spirituality came from football and meditation. When is that book coming out? Well, I can't tell you exactly. Uh, it's it just depends what 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 the Burke uh, publishers 
how much work they feel it has to be done. And so it's up to them in a way. Well, well, we'll within the next year, I would say within the next year, it may, but I, we just actually turned it in today. Good. After well, we'll 14 edits. 14 edits, so it's a lot of <laughs> Okay, well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Um, uh, everybody tuning in, uh, the best website I'd suggest you go to is drcousins.com. It's just drcousins, it's C-O-U-S-E-N-S.com. We'll put a link uh, next to this video as well. And there, uh, we'll put the link. Uh, I found it as we were talking. It's the determining the oxidizer profile. For That's the right. That's right. Uh, so we'll put that link in there. You can fill that out. And then join join his newsletter so you stay up to date about the, the events, the retreats coming up, the different things that... Um, yeah, I'm talking on different topics every day. Yeah. So, for example, I just did one yesterday about the dangers of ultrasound during pregnancy. Now, mm -hmm. whoever thought about that? But people ask about, oh, there are some dangers. Mm -hmm. But so I have medical topics and I have spiritual topics. You know, uh, the last one, which is a little intriguing, which is yesterday, which is um, we can ignore reality, but we can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Mm. <laughs> yeah that's a good way to look at it yeah so i i'm often talking a lot but every i'd say five times a week something is going out some way beautiful well thank you so much dr cousins i appreciate your time as always and uh just appreciate your wisdom it's uh you bring a lot of experience a lot of wisdom a lot of truth to the table and uh yeah appreciate you so much well, I appreciate what you're doing, and I bless everyone who's listening that they be inspired to love themselves enough to want to heal themselves. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful for what you have achieved.